We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. Uh, Mike is traveling, not with us today. And Lakers fell to the Philadelphia 76ers last night. And before we get too deep into the details of the game, D, the injuries this season are killing my soul. Yeah, it's worth an update to start the pod, right? Man, so we had that stat a couple pods ago where the whole idea of like LeBron and AD, because no matter how poetic we wax about our previous years, if we don't have both of those guys, we're not doing anything of significance, right? And they're the foundation of all of it. And there was something so bittersweet, but also hopeful it was it was frustrating and and hopeful, right? Watching Anthony Davis play like that, look like that guy. What did we say before he came back? Like what we were hoping for. There was a sluggishness to his game to start this season. That guy, that guy carves up the best big man in the NBA. That guy is incredible that we saw last night. We were figuring out how to play without LeBron once again, who woke up with a sore knee. Um, we So we turned the ball over a bunch, not having our best shot creator and just the guy that the offense revolves around. We uh, we couldn't make a shot. Our shooters were, you know, just they just couldn't hit anything, couldn't get anything going, including on some good looks. Certainly self-inflicted wounds and all that. And against a team that's 12 and three, playing some of the best defense in the NBA and the best basketball in the NBA, 12 and three over their last 15 games, we were down by six at halftime, purely on the strength of the fact that that guy, Anthony Davis, is a monster. He's one of Danny's dragons, right? Like your army might not be so great, but then one of those guys shows up and it's like, well, here you go. And we got two of those guys. I would love for them to play in the same game more often. Um, and that's what's bittersweet, but hopeful, man, just a, a tough season so far, man. I like, even before we get into the details of the game, I'm beaten down, man. Talk to me. Are you, uh, holding strong? Cause I'm, I I'm in a crisis of, uh, <laughs> like, I just want to see my team healthy. I am. And so we're recording this 
you know, early morning on Friday. Shout out to Jeannie who turns these around like they were recorded 72 hours ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, but really, she has a short amount of time to get these up for us. And so I have a post that's up right now. You can go read it at Silver Screen Enroll about like, don't count the Lakers out yet. And I started writing this before I found out that LeBron James had a sore knee. And so I tweaked it a little bit. But the message was basically the same even after I learned that LeBron wasn't going to play. And it is even firmed up even more after watching Anthony Davis. Right. And so the idea of that piece that's up is the Lakers are about as close as they're going to be this season, assuming LeBron's day-to-day status actually is day-to-day. If if he plays today in Charlotte, that'd be great. If he doesn't, maybe he's back on Sunday, but day-to-day to to me implies that like he actually will be day-to-day. Right, that there's not a follow-up. LeBron James will be reevaluated in a week. Or two weeks or whatever, right? Right. But assuming LeBron actually is day-to-day, then – this is about as healthy as the team has been since the preseason. Oh, it's if not you, about. It is. No, it's no, it is. Clearly. Yes. Ariza was out to start the season. Wayne Ellington was out to start the season. Uh, THT was out to start the season. Now, a bunch has changed since the start of the season. Very much so. And, and I get into a lot of that in uh, the meat of the post. But the idea that the Lakers are close is real to me. And look, if things keep happening like this, right, where it's just like, oh, well, now, AD, you know, AD fell and like his wrist was banged up a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he's still coming back from a serious knee injury, right? That kept him out for a long, long time. If he doesn't play tonight, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. He was hedging yeah. a little I, bit. I, yeah, the I think both of them sit tonight. I don't have any information or anything, but that based on their comments and everything that was like, yeah, I'd be surprised if either of them played. But sometime soon, we're going to mm-hmm. see this full team. We're going to see this full team. I hope so. Look, God, I hope so. And if we don't, then the season really is cursed and it was never meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, and to a certain extent, I will live with that in the same way that I live with anything else that was close, but not so close. And, mm-hmm. and you sort of like grasp at the sky as it's like, what, what could have what been? What could have been? And that's just how it goes to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what being a sports fan is. That's mm-hmm. just life in general, right? Mm-hmm. We all suffer through this stuff in things that are way more important than who wins or loses a basketball game. So LeBron, knee, whatever. This team is getting there. And yeah. this version of Anthony Davis, I don't expect Anthony Davis to play like this every night. Right. In the same way that guys get up to play the Lakers, Anthony Davis saw the guy who is I saw a tweet this morning, number two on the NBA Kia MVP ladder. Right. Like the NBA account tweeted that that out for their tracking system for guys who are being written about and looked at as as guys who can win that award. Anthony Davis saw that dude on the other side of the court and he was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm still one of those dudes, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And whether or not MB brought it out of him personally, or it's just sort of like AD talking about my body feels great. Well, and the thing is, is it wasn't just that he dominated it. 
it wasn't just that he dominated. It was how he dominated. Yes. He was that quick, agile, skillful, like step backs. He's a beautiful player when he's right and he's just locked it. And I haven't seen him move like that and look like that in a long time. Even like he was he was trying so hard earlier in the season, but there was just a heft to him. I think literally, physically, but also just I, I don't know. There wasn't that life and spirit like. Anthony Davis at Kentucky, Anthony Davis in New Orleans, Anthony Davis in 2020. That guy, I was at the at the 50 point game where he gave Cat 50 and watching it up close and in person. And he is unlike anybody else. The way he moves at his size, and he was going up against one of those guys. That's another one of those that guy shouldn't move like that yep. guys in the NBA and carved him up just for a night. And that's no disrespect to Embiid, who is incredible, but it just speaks to like what Anthony Davis is uh, in, in the big picture. There is no analysis that can really capture what Anthony Davis can do. You just sort of have to watch it. You, you, you have to see it with your own two eyes. And I'm not saying that he's better than all these other dudes. He's not better than Giannis or better than Embiid necessarily or better than LeBron James. But he is an elite player whose combination of shooting touch and and agility and ability to sort of glide around the court. And yeah. then you combine that with the instincts. Like he was giving Embiid some fits defensively. Right? He's brilliant as a defender. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is, we always talk about his physical attributes, but he, he knows exactly what he's doing. The instincts that he has defensively and his reaction time. There's so many things that go into athleticism that are not running and jumping. There is hand placement and there is like the ability to move quickly, like to raise your arms quickly and hand-eye coordination. And like when I actually reach for something, I can grab that or hit exactly where I want to reach. Like those are skills and it is athleticism. And Anthony Davis has all of that stuff. Embiid was isolated on the right block he tried to go middle and then drop step spin to the baseline and then sort of shoot a little fade away jumper. I just posted that clip on Twitter. Yeah. AD was basically just like, okay, like you top footed me a little bit. Doesn't matter. I drop my hip and I'm there. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you spin off me. And at that point, 99% of the defenders in the league are, oh, it's over. are toast. They're it's toast. Done. Mm -hmm. They may be able to recover to get back middle, but Embiid understands that too. And so he's just like baseline, like <laughs> drops that baseline. Mm -hmm. I'm shooting that fade, the same fade that like Michael Jordan used to shoot and Kobe Bryant used to he's shoot. He's so it's the good, same man. fade that like, he's not, that, that he moves like that at his size. Come on, man. He's he, so good. He plays like a wing. He mm -hmm. plays like a wing, but he's mm -hmm. seven foot two, seven foot three, 280 pounds, and he is a monster. He Euro steps, and it's just like, like, wait, you move like a guard. Like he's yeah. he's not light on his feet necessarily, but he is like just getting there. That's Embiid. So he fades baseline. And AD just sort of like, yeah. I'm just right there with you. I'm mirroring you. I jump, I elevate, and I and he blocked his shot. Like, and the way blocks? that he blocked, the way he blocked it to D was 
there are two places that you can block that shot. And one is down low. This is the Marc Gasol block shot is you'd gather and you'd start bringing it up and Mark knew exactly where the, you know, your angle that you were going to gather and bring it up. And he was stripping that flat footed. So AD reaches in at that point and realizes he's a little late for that, pulls his arm back. And then the other point to block the shot is up high. And he does that with the same hand, right? So it's like the reflexes, the instincts, the understanding of this is the move that he used and this is my defensive counter to it. Come on, man. Just like classic big man NBA basketball. So if you're asking me how like, oh, you see how quickly we change now? You, you, you feeling better a little bit right now? Because <laughs> this is my therapy session. Thank you. My basketball therapy session. You see, because yeah, yeah. having one of those dudes on your side always gives you life. And mm-hmm. it gives you a little bit more juice and a little bit more pep. And let's take a break here because I want to get into the weeds a little bit more about that game. Who had Me some too. life and mm-hmm. who didn't? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Pete, let's save Russ for a little bit later because I thought Russ played fine. I, I thought a couple of other guys played fine. And I thought that there were a few guys who did not seem ready to play in the type of basketball game totally that agree. this game was. And so yes. talk to me some about, since we're on the same page with that, talk to me yeah. a little bit about what you saw with that too. So Philly's an interesting team. There isn't really another team like them in the NBA, in my estimation. If you watched uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, we bring that up uh, every once in a while, or I do, on on the show. This will make sense. They're a team of earthbenders. They're strong as shit at every single position. Like Thibel, Danny Green, who, you know... Pays me back for my sins every time he, uh, you know, he plays us hitting freaking drifting threes, falling out of bounds. Come on, man. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you and, even say that now, Pete guarantees another game of it. You, oh, you I, I don't know. See, this is the basketball gods. The basketball gods sentence all of us, man. Like if if they don't play tonight, if LeBron and AD don't play tonight, it'll be that even hundred games. You know how we brought up that stat the other day, the yep. twenty three and ninety seven. It'll be an even hundred of like 24, 25 games out of that time. Let's hope that the Lakers sentence in basketball hell is only 100 days sure. or 100 games, yeah, right? Yeah. That's, that's my fingers crossed, but no, no guarantees that, that we're done with our sentence. So 
anyhow, yeah, that's Danny Green's. So that's that's the basketball gods uh, one for me is he just kicks our ass every single time he plays. Anyway, they are strong. Tobias Harris, you know, solid guy who can go over the top of a guy like THT. And what that does for a team like us, especially Russ and THT, is they're earthbenders too. They're basically, you know, these earthbound, very strong, but it kind of neutralizes their advantage. Washington played Philly in the first round last year. And that was something where like, if Russ can overpower you, he can, he will do it. And he can do it to very good players. It's just like, at some point, he's too athletic and too strong. But a team that's as big as they are presents a, a certain degree of issues that I want to kick it to you on. That idea of certain guys weren't ready for it, whatever it was, this type of basketball game, to me it was that, that really strong, physical, grimy. That was a good game. And it for our younger guys in particular, I think there was a certain degree of like, whoa, this is a higher caliber game that they weren't quite ready for. Yeah, I just think that the style that Philly plays combined with the idea that I get a sense that the players on the team, the veterans especially, know it's sort of go time now. Like, yeah, like Melo came out like gangbusters. Like yeah. They were, I thought Russ was ready. AD was mm-hmm. clearly ready. I thought mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony was ready, right? But now, he didn't hit his threes, but he looked, in his two-point mm-hmm. game, he looked ready to go. The best version of who he can be, yeah. And that he that he has control over. I thought some of the young players were overwhelmed a little bit physically in ways, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that the weight of like, oh man, these these possessions are hard possessions, right? Like everything you're scrapping for every sort of piece of real estate that is on the that that is out there. And I thought Monk struggled. PhD's a different sort of story to me. Like he is. Mm-hmm he is up and down now in a way that is starting to wear on me as someone who truly believes in him still. No, likewise. Right. And and so we can get to him separately. I think Austin seemed like, Oh, you haven't had an off season yet of strength and conditioning program where like the coaches have given you a summer plan and an outline as to like how you can come back with a changed body. Right. And a little bit more strength. And so guys were knocking Austin off of his spot even more than what Austin gets knocked off his spot usually like. And he wasn't able to be like, oh, well, my quick hands are recovering here or I'm drawing another offensive foul. It was like more like, nah, man, like I'm just moving you or I'm going over the top of you. He had a couple of possessions against Tobias Harris where it was just like, oh, yeah, this dude is six, eight and two fifty and he's strong as hell. And I'm not yet. Right. And so. There was a certain level that I thought the Lakers role players didn't reach. And if you ask me where this game was lost, it was it was in the fact that Philly's role players all played well Mm -hmm. and they're at home. I get it. Right. But the game looked like it was played in Philly style before the game started. You had told me like, man, the Lakers, they they really need to run. They -hmm. need to get out and transition. And it wasn't that sort of breakneck sort of not game at all no they that, controlled that, that they game. needed to play yeah no they absolutely controlled that game and i think that that controlling it with their physicality especially versus our young guys now tht can hang physically in terms of strength with those those older players but in terms of understanding uh how to break down a defense like that he's very lost and he heard, he heard footsteps on a couple of layup attempts but anyway it speaks to our young guys are actually pretty good like considering the 
considering the assets like our scouting department had to work with and, you know, Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves, like they can play. I I, I know that one guy's a 10 day contract guy. The other guy's an undrafted free agent. Austin can't hit a shot right now. And that's something that's extended beyond this game. And I do think that that's that's something that needs a little more of our attention. Like he's a wonderful player, right? But he he needs to be more of a scorer than he is. He needs to be more aggressive. Like, dude, you're swinging the ball to guys sometimes where it's like, I'd rather have you take that first shot. I'd rather have you shot fake, one dribble pull up. I've seen you have all of those tools in your toolbox. There's a certain degree of trying to facilitate too much, yeah. I think, that – I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, you you can do all this. Like, yeah. we need a little more from you as a scorer, and and you have the tools to do it. Yeah, it's like that old like, oh, it's Jordan Clarkson time, and then the quote is like, Jordan Clarkson saying that, right? So yeah, we need, we need Austin old- Reeves to <laughs> tap into his inner Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, yes, it's, yes. It's, it's <laughs> like he needs to be like, oh, it's Austin Reeves time. Right? That's right. That's the thing is, it's becoming clear to me that when the Lakers have it going offensively. A lot of it is that they've got that one perimeter guy who is not named Russell Westbrook, mm-hmm. who is sort of just like, oh, yeah, today I've got it. Mm-hmm. And I'm cooking. And yep. and I'm making some threes like Malik did that against Brooklyn. I think he hit like six threes and it was and, and, and it was just like, oh, man, he is he is on it right now. And when the Lakers look a little bit listless offensively that one other perimeter dude just isn't there for them. And I thought Melo played okay, but he couldn't knock down a three ball. Malik was bad. THT was bad offensively. And Austin, just like you said earlier, he literally cannot buy a basket and he is allowing that to seep in to mm-hmm. like his aggression. He, he's already unselfish, too yep. unselfish, but when his shot's not falling like this, he's not even looking at the basket sometimes. And he needs to do more of just like, I'm getting these shots up, man. Like, he can't be one for three when he's got six or seven good looks. He needs to be one for seven. If he's got seven looks, yep. then he's shoot shooting them, mm-hmm. right? And maybe because at some point, he's going to have to shoot himself out of this. And he's not going to do that taking two shots a game. That's right. All right, let's take one more break. When we come back, uh, we're going to go in a slightly different direction. All right, joining us from his hotel room in Charlotte, Mike Trudell. How you doing, man? Hey, fellas. How you feeling? What did I miss in the first two segments? Spirited conversation. This has been a a, a fun one where we talked about Joel Embiid and uh, Anthony Davis and a classic big man battle, but how freaking bittersweet it is to, you know, see that Anthony Davis on a night where LeBron wakes up with soreness in his knee. You're with the team, Mike. What do, what do we know right now? What do we know about the LeBron and uh, AD situation? Not much, unfortunately. Uh, just just what we heard from last night. Uh, like this was a this was a late one, right, for the Lakers. So I think we got into Charlotte around I don't know what it was, some maybe two. Something like that. And so most of the guys are probably just like me waking up uh, at the time at the time of this. And Mm. it has been Murphy's Law like that with all of the injury stuff for this season. And Pete, like this goes back to the stat that you gave me a couple of days ago that I'm not keeping track of and and was discussing with a couple of the coaches that it's 24 out of 98 games that LeBron and AD have played together, which is just an insane number. So 
I but I still for me the way that I'm choosing to look at it right now is that LeBron's knee is going to be fine uh, after a little rest and AD looking like AD like real AD which he did you know he did a couple like we 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 are too harsh about I think AD started the season but one of the things we talked about earlier in uh, in the show was like. It wasn't that he dominated last night. It was how he dominated, like how he dominated last night. There was a an agility and a nimbleness and just like that yeah. that type of AD. That was there was a more sluggish like physical AD earlier on. Where seeing this guy is a guy we haven't seen in a while. I think. Yeah, I mean, so I think we were on our text thread, right? It was we're thinking, well, when's the last time this season? that anybody stood toe-to-toe to Embiid, let alone actually looked better than Embiid mm-hmm. for a good portion of the game. Like, when's the last time Embiid got his shot blocked twice Yeah, uh, by somebody like that? And AD was scoring on him from the outside. He was driving by him. He was finishing under the rim on him. And, and so it was very, very impressive. And it's just that while I'm, I'm sure, like you guys, while all that's going on, half of my brain is thinking, all right, well, it would have been nice if we could have paired that with how LeBron uh, has been playing mm-hmm. the last couple of games. And it's just, that's been the unfortunate thing. And then meanwhile, I'm kind of looking over at the standings and I'm like, okay, do I have to readjust now the spot where the Lakers could possibly get to um, if if LeBron does miss some more time? But I don't know. I Neither of them has been ruled out as, by the time you guys listen to this, maybe you'll will have had something. I doubt it. My, my hope is that we'll actually get to the arena and, you know, Frank Vogel will go through that whole thing and maybe both guys will go out there and try to work. But that's the other part of this question is since ideas look like this, do you and I'm I'm the last person to ever want to do the load management thing. I'm, I'm really not a fan of it. I don't think it has actually helped uh, guys stay healthier. If you look at injuries the last couple of years, but do they look at this and say, well, third game in four nights, you know, AD just coming off playing, playing a couple uh, playing big minutes. Like, do you want to try and sustain that instead of you know, risk pushing that too far. And that's a whole nother discussion, but that I try to go against. So, oh man, where, where do you guys stand on that though? What, like, would you say, Hey, if it feels good, you play, this is what you do in the NBA. Or do you say, I don't know, let's just try to get, let's try to get to Atlanta alive. I mean, I could see AED was hedging in, in his comments. And so I have a feeling that if he doesn't play, it probably is related to a little bit of knee soreness a little bit of like getting his legs back and wanting to not necessarily play through it like that. I will say though, that all-star break is in two weeks. Right. And, and so there is some time off that's on the horizon. Um, If Braun is good enough to play, I'd actually like to see AD play. If Braun isn't good enough to play, then at that point I might sit AD just because the chances of how things look on the second night of a back-to-back without LeBron, um, they just go down, right? And maybe you get a big rust night and then guys start to feel it in in their own way, Malik Monk revenge game and yada, 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 right? Like that's definitely a possibility to me, but I, I want cohesion with the guys on the floor who need it the most and if you're just sort of gonna throw some more stuff against the wall when you know what kind of works and what doesn't without LeBron James and with Anthony Davis and 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 with Russ I might just give him the day off personally and then go into Sunday and and hope to salvage the road trip with a good win but where are you at with that Pete 
I I'm in a similar spot um, while also thinking that after today, we're either out of runway or we're very close to being out of runway. Um, There are short-term concerns. You look at the standings and there's going to be a certain amount of these guys have to play together for a certain number of games. That's true of any team that even now, like the 30 or whatever that it would be after tonight's game, that still might not be enough. We're the, the saving grace, I think, of the style of play changes, which again, these are things that I thought were necessary going into the season. And it's funny because every box that I've felt needed to be checked has started to get checked off in reverse order of importance. So the most important one is have LeBron and AD and be generally healthy. And we only get that in like one or two game bursts, you know, here and there. That's the most important one that hasn't been checked, but the not playing any traditional bigs, switching more, not playing your worst players, emphasizing speed and athleticism in your role players. Uh, the only one that I, I still think has a degree of importance, but I think it's the least important, is having a zone look. And we, we haven't done that. But everything else, I've been like, okay, this transition in terms of the type of team we need to be needs to look like this. And everything except for the getting healthy part has happened. But the getting healthy part, the having LeBron and AD, the team is so predicated on them being you know, two of Danny's dragons to, you know, having two guys like that, that just cause certain problems that in the absence of at least one of them, things fall apart to like, it it can't work. It's not supposed to work. It's not built to work without one of them. And so that is, that's where I'm at, Mike, is that like, I see this one last game as, yeah, you know, LeBron's having some soreness in his knee. He's been carrying such a burden with this team trying to keep us above water. But we're also starting to get into territory where short-term concerns are uh, and and short-term needs where sometimes you're going to have to push through some uh, discomfort in order to – or else if we don't get enough games together, we don't have a chance at all. Yeah, and part of that is standings watching uh, too. And and you're thinking, all right, well, Dallas is playing really well. You know, they have now – they and Denver have both won 7 of 10, and so they're – in the loss column, they're four games up in the loss column. And you start to do some of that that math. And when you only have when you have less than 40 games left, and you got like 35 games or whatever left, like that, that kind of gap becomes difficult no matter how well you're playing. Because you're gonna lose a couple games here and there. And then so you're basically looking at the play-in, and you're there with if and I'm not saying they can't get there yet, but this is right, this is the internal math you're doing. And then all of a sudden you're basically battling with the Timberwolves and the Clippers, um, who continue to find ways to win. And the Timberwolves being a better team than them right now. Uh, but uh, so th- those all of those calculations come in. Um, I'm I'm still irate about the All-Star game uh, and, and <laughs> yes, all that stuff, that, which yes. I was ranting about in text. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if this is the place where I can. Do you guys want to finish up any this is your thoughts we are before I start to rant on that? Clearing the stage for you, Darius, if you have any parting thoughts. But yeah, no, no, no. We are wide open here. In fact, we were hopeful that you would show up just for this part. And so if you would have recorded something and sent it to us, we would have inserted it in. That's right. That's how important this part of the podcast is. So ladies and gentlemen, Mike Trudell. (laughs) No, no. So you're not getting that. You're not getting total raw, you know. You're, like you're not getting um, fish in the microwave or like Darius displeasure scale or flight delayed have to watch Lakers playoff loss on phone, which I still have it. I still have it. Number one. Um, 
maybe got Montezuma's revenge on Honeymoon. Uh, getting close to that, but I, I don't. I'm not alone here. But the thing that I really care about, probably more than, and this is all in the context of you know sports as a metaphor for life, but not as actually important as life. And so this is in that context of like sports hating something, not real life. So that let me let me set that up first. But I think it's very important when we go back in history and look at who was an all-star starter, look at who was an, made the all-star and that ranking just below all NBA, like all NBA is where I really, really get upset. But when there's a mistake in, in one of those spots and it's a glaring one and, and I feel badly to have to say this. And I'm, I, I feel badly that Andrew Wiggins wakes up and is like, wow, this is amazing. It's the best day of my life. And you have a million people like me out there being like, what this dude doesn't deserve to start, but it's true. And it's the kind of thing that just shouldn't get wrong. Uh, it shouldn't be gotten wrong at this point. So we have to move the fan vote to 33%, I guess, instead of 50. Uh, or And the media voting him sixth, to me, is also part of what's insane. Uh, that, like, I, I think Wiggins, and again, respectfully, is probably somewhere between the 35th and 40th best player in the Western Conference overall. And we've got him starting in the All-Star game. And whether it's Rudy Gobert who probably should have gotten that spot or Draymond Green, whose argument is right there with them or Carl Anthony Towns, or we go positionless and it's either CP3 or Booker or Luca, like just those six guys, let alone Anthony Davis, uh, who of course missed some time to injury. All of that stuff really, really gets to me. And the last little part of it, because I do want your guys' feedback, the all-star game shouldn't just be about the first 45 or whatever first X amount of games of that regular season. We have to take larger context into it, including the previous season to an extent, including the previous playoff run, including what a guy has accomplished to that point in his career, where those things are at minimum tiebreakers, let alone just, oh, yeah, this guy had a great start. You know, he should be starting. So th those are some of the thoughts. I will stop myself now, but it upset me. I was still upset when I woke up and I will be upset for the next couple of weeks especially when one of these deserving guys that I mentioned doesn't even make the all-star team, but maybe is a commissioner's replacement. Uh, so yes, please, uh, please go ahead. So, th so this is a matter of principle to you, like matter of something bigger that makes you so upset about this. If yeah, I mean, when we, when we figure out hall of fame, you know, one of the things that we count is all-star games and all-star starts or all NBA teams. Like it's one of the things that we use to separate guys which is like a big part of our job on on the media side is trying to archive history and establish to legacy contextualize. And, mm -hmm. Yes. And so one of these players now, and, and again, even if it's just uh, just out of that trio of Gobert towns, again, the positionless thing is ridiculous. So, uh, so one of the guards that should have been in those guys now will not have the all-star start like LeBron. This is his 18th straight time being voted as an all-star starter that's super significant that lets you know a lot about lebron's career and, and 50 years and, from now it'll let you know a lot about lebron's yeah, career yeah so that, yeah. so that's the part that it's not it's nothing personal like it whoever if whoever the player was that was clearly not deserving based on his resume and that's by being the third or fourth best player on its own team and a, a essentially a floor spacer on offense and a guy who admittedly does play well defensively but it makes me think of the of the whole argument that Iguodala getting finals MVP over Steph that I still lose sleep about mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Or yeah, even like I Tony get Parker getting finals MVP over Tim Duncan. Like we we know who the best players were. 
on those teams. So you don't have to give it to the guy that happens to have the right mix of numbers and narrative. Uh, it, it, well, and point. the fans don't vote on the finals MVP. I don't know. No, I see well, a common was, thread in the voting in, in those two well, circumstances. This, I mean, this run is mostly because of the fan vote, though, right? Like, that's why Wiggins was in the ball game. And sure. a, a couple of people have sent me, like, a, a K-pop sure. star um, who uh, Darius is actually here. big on, mm-hmm. apparently tweeted it out. And that guy, I don't know. It, like, and all that's great. Like, we want the participation. So, again, I know I sound like grumpy old man here. Um, so, I don't know, Darius. I, I I, I hate to invoke the displeasure scale, for, but it's really it's really been um, on my mind. Where is it? One, two, or three for me? That's which one I have to choose for this thing. I'm with you. So Wiggins, good for him. Happy for Andrew Wiggins. He yeah, nice story for him. Yeah, for sure. the games in Cleveland. Not valid. I think Wiggins, original number one draft pick overall of the Cleveland Cavaliers, traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and and so good for him. He will probably be opposite of LeBron James on the team, which offers a little bit of symmetry, I would suppose. Like, the thing is, is that it's not entirely clear to me that Golden State should be the team that gets, like, three All-Stars, right? And I would imagine if Draymond Green is healthy, and we will see if he is in two weeks, that, like, I would bet the coaches are going to pick Draymond Green as an all-star reserve. Like he's Draymond Green. He's if not the best, like second best, but I would say he's the best defensive player in the league. He is a critical offensive player for the Golden State Warriors. They have not been the same since he went out injured on either side of the ball. And he's just a more important player to, to their success. Um, Golden State does not have the best record in in the league or even the Western Conference. And, and so I think of players like, all right, well, is are the Suns going to get three All-Stars? Like DeAndre Ayton's missed some time recently, so he's played fewer games than Wiggins. But look at Ayton's numbers. Ayton's numbers are just as good as Andrew Wiggins' numbers, right? If not better. Better, yeah. And he has, in terms of like what you were t- talking about, Mike, the run that Aiton has been on in the last 14 months, basically, where he was a critical player in the second half of the Sun season last year, and then great in the playoffs and all the way up until the finals. Like, he's a star on the rise, right? And and so I don't want to start to nitpick Wiggins specifically. I just wish the process would produce more consistent results and, and get the guys in to the game that I like because this is about me. I want the players that I like in there. So <laughs> let's frame it that way. My perspective is that this is something that is, this has always happened throughout NBA history. And it's not right. That doesn't make it just. Um, but I think, I don't think that this is anomalous. So when we look back, I, I think there's a good argument or discussion to be had about the degree to which we do use all-star appearances in all NBA and voting and awards rather than how a guy actually played in the tape and the film and, and all of that. Obviously, that's going to be the place of advocacy that I come from, right? But uh, let's have that that conversation uh, another day more in full. Got a game against Charlotte tonight, then on Sunday to wrap up the road trip in Atlanta. We'll be back on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker Film and Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here's
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. 